Some people think that Mark was the disciple whom the rabble come to arrest Jesus in the garden grabbed, the one who spun out of his garment and fled naked into the night. The account only appears in the Gospel of Mark, so it makes sense that he would be the only evangelist to know that that even happened. But it makes you wonder why Mark would make a point of including an account of his own reckless cowardice, you know? We know for sure that we are hearing about Mark later in the book of Acts. Luke tells us about Mark's mother, Mary, whose house was a gathering place for believers in Jerusalem. Peter went there when he miraculously escaped from prison without getting beheaded by Herod, like James had been. Either Mark knew Peter from before that, like around when he maybe fled naked from the garden, or Mark knew Peter from seeing him at his mother's house. Later, Mark started traveling with his cousin Barnabas and the Apostle Paul. But as Paul and Barnabas were setting out from Antioch once again, we find out that they had a sharp disagreement and that it was about Mark. Barnabas wanted to take him. Paul didn't. Apparently, Mark had previously abandoned them in Pamphylia. We don't know why. Was he still a reckless coward like whoever it was that had run away naked from the garden? Or was that not him, but Mark was being cowardly in a different way, or for different reasons? Or was it a misunderstanding between him and Paul? Anything's possible, I suppose. We know that Mark was young, and that Paul wasn't easy to keep up with. The guy worked hard. Anyway, Barnabas stuck to his guns and took Mark to Cyprus, while Paul stuck to his and took Silas to Syria and Cilicia. Probably more work got done in more places because Paul and Barnabas couldn't agree on Mark. The very next time Mark's name appears in the Bible, Paul has changed his mind about him. At the end of both Colossians and Philemon, Mark is with Paul in prison. As a prisoner or just visiting, we don't know, but he sends greetings along with Paul's letter. Later, in his second letter to Timothy, Paul asks Timothy to bring Mark when he comes to see him, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Who changed? Mark or Paul? Who's to say? The last word we get about Mark is from Peter. They either met before, around when Mark fled naked from the garden, or that wasn't him, and he met Peter at his mother's house. Anyway, Peter writes from Babylon, that is, Rome, and he sends greetings from there and from my son Mark his metaphorical son, like someone younger and near and dear to Peter. Mark grew on people, I guess. Or he grew into someone people saw as near and dear. While with Peter, Mark wrote a book. We call it Mark. It's probably what Peter was referring to in his second letter where he says, I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. These things being what our Lord Jesus Christ had made clear to Peter. Mark's book is a collection of what Peter remembered from Jesus' earthly life and ministry and death and resurrection, including an account of somebody fleeing the garden naked. I may have mentioned that that may or may not have been Mark. And okay, so I had better explain why I keep bringing that up, if it may not even have been a thing Mark did. Here's why I'm stuck on it. Who is Mark? 
For sure, he is the writer of the book we call Mark. For sure, he was a missionary who improved in usefulness as his career progressed. For sure, he was Barnabas' cousin and Mary's son. For sure, he ditched Paul and Barnabas when they needed him. And for sure, he eventually came to be Paul and Peter's dear and reliable colleague. And maybe he was a kid who got scared and ran from a dangerous rabble who grabbed his cloak and left him streaking naked through the night. Are you your past mistakes? Is it essential to my knowing who you are that I know how you've messed up in the past? Is there a statute of limitations on sins after which no one can charge you with anything you've allegedly done? Or is the record of your sins more like intellectual property that enters the public domain after a certain amount of time so that anyone can use it how they like, including against you? Because, on the one hand, past performance does not predict future results. But on the other hand, fool me once, shame on you, and fool me twice, shame on me. The things you've done in the past that I know about do play a big part in how I see you now. But how do I know which things tell me about who you still are, and which things tell me about who you were, and how you've progressed? So, if Mark is that young man streaking through the garden, and the more mature man writing an account of our Savior's ministry that includes that detail, then how much didn't he grow? He made mistakes, he messed up, he sinned, he ditched his clothes, and then later ditched Paul and Barnabas, but eventually learned to knock it off and stick with it and do ministry, even from the heart of Babylon, which is Rome. If Paul was wrong to give up on Mark, then I am wrong to ever give up on you. I am wrong to give up on myself. None of us are ever right to underestimate the power of the gospel to turn hearts around so thoroughly that lives get turned around too. Maybe not as fast or as thoroughly as we want, but always some and more and more each day. The gospel works, and it keeps working, and it's the only thing that does, spiritually speaking. So, we're not our past mistakes, not in the only way that matters. Jesus is. He took them on himself and took them away. He forgave us so we can forgive each other and ourselves. And Mark and we can look for the future results that the gospel predicts and quit fooling ourselves or each other about our shame and see what the gospel tells us about who we are, Jesus' disciples, and how we'll progress through faith in Jesus. And we can read Mark and see Jesus more and more each day. Dust and breath, loved by God, bought by Jesus. This podcast is written and produced by me, Ethan Cherney, a Wells pastor serving our Savior Lutheran Church in Pomona, California. Get in touch on Facebook at Dust and Breath Pod, on Twitter at Dust Breath Pod, or by emailing dustandbreathpod at gmail.com. 
Outro music arranged and performed by Mr. Peter Shewi, who is like the dawn, like the noonday sun. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you could leave a review in iTunes or just share an episode on social media, I'd really appreciate it. It's the only way other people can find the show. Now, go do what God made you to do. Be who God called you to be. Go see what God can do with dust and breath and faith in Jesus, his son.